Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning service and we're glad to have you listening and watching today and you are going to be in for a great time in the Lord this morning. We've prayed, we're asking God to do something special and I want to just say a couple of things. I want to encourage you to continue to pay attention to the emails and the phone messages that we're sending out. We're going to keep you updated on things as much as we can and next Sunday is Easter Sunday And so there are a few changes to that. We will not be meeting for breakfast unless you have breakfast where you are. But we won't be meeting here for breakfast. So uh, we will not have the normal uh, Easter Sunday breakfast. But I wanted to tell you that we we will be having a special service for you. Uh, next Sunday. So more more will be coming out about that in the days ahead, but you don't want to miss Easter Sunday. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to ask Brother Pat now to come, and he's going to open us with a, a song together, and then right after that, Brother Tommy Gaskins is going to come and do our scripture reading this morning, and then lead us in an opening prayer uh, for God's blessing on today's service. So Brother Pat, you come now. If you would, please, sir. Right. Thank you, Pastor. Good to be here again. If will, this morning we're going to sing a song that's uh, very familiar. You probably don't need your songbook for it. Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Our reading this morning we'll take from Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, we'll read through to verse 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let us pray. Father, may the power of your spirit come upon this very place today. As we've read in the scripture, dear Father, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and he taught in the synagogue. May it be so also this very hour, dear Father, through the preaching of your word, through the needs of the people, that they'll be met. May glory be to thee and thy Son, Jesus Christ. And above all, we make requests, Father, for the Spirit of the Lord to be upon the preacher, the one that you've called and anointed to preach the gospel. Heavenly Father, we will ask also for the gospel to be preached here this hour, that it bring healing to those that are sick, that it bring deliverance to those that need deliverance, and Father, that it will give strength and sight to those that are blind, and Lord, that it will set free those that are held captive today. Bless your people, bless your word, Bring strength to where strength is needed, dear Heavenly Father. Bring salvation, dear Heavenly Father, through your word, through the Holy Scriptures, through the Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, bring that liberty. Bring that precious freedom, God. Would you do it today to that one that's lost, God? Would you do it to one today that is stepped away from you for whatever reason, God? And as the preaching of the word, as the preaching of the gospel, Lord, as we've read the scripture this morning, may you get glory and honor to yourself.
I do uh, want to say I appreciate the good song this morning and uh, as much as anything it probably encouraged my decision about this just feels like we're in a place in a time of worship today and we're going to take our Bibles this morning and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and look at these verses here and this is a passage that the Lord brought to my heart a couple of days ago and I have been spending some time meditating in this and praying over it and just really felt that there was the message for today, for the hour. And uh, I have felt a very strong pull toward the encouragement of God over uh, these last couple of weeks. I believe there are a lot of gains in this season that we're in. And by that I mean that, uh, as I have repeated often, that this is our time to strengthen our God dependence. And I get a lot of encouraging calls. I've gotten letters. I've gotten texts from people that are expressing that. They're, they're telling me things, and I'm listening to it, and I'm saying, boy, that's exactly what we've been looking for, is folks learning to walk with God in greater ways. And uh, our church relationship, 
I'm, I'm going to tell you something. More than you could imagine, I believe we are growing in, as a church right now. And that is just tremendous. It's amazing to see what God can do. And then, of course, our families are being strengthened during this time. And that is so important. It is a time for opening our hearts up for more of God. Uh, but I want to say that there is another side to this present time we're in. It's not only a time of gains, but it is a time of real losses. And I think we have to acknowledge that. Many people, some that we know, uh, have lost their jobs. And uh, many more probably are going to. Really, careers for some of them have been derailed because of the time that we're in. And I was thinking about how many seniors in high school and in college that have worked all their life to get to this place now and it's time for graduation and now they're facing the possibility of not having a graduation ceremony it being canceled or at best it's rescheduled and it's some sort of uh, edited condensed version of that and some 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 aren't going to care you know just give me the give me the paper so I can go but those that have worked hard and they know the value of achievement they're going to certainly feel loss as a result of that and then many families are separated from loved ones right now they're in the hospitals they have loved ones in the nursing homes and um, and for some of them they got precious loved ones that are in their last days they are facing you know leaving here and going out into eternity and they're not going to have the blessing of being comforted by surrounding family and friends and that's a real loss and so I think there is the other side of things this morning that the losses are real also but these thoughts bring me back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 because here we are told that there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And when you read it in context, you find that Solomon is, is describing in these pages really his personal journey of backsliding from God and then returning to God after years of a self-serving lifestyle. So here's a man who's trying to make sense of life and all that life brings, and he's looking at both the good and the bad, he's looking at the pleasures and the pain, he's looking at the joy and the sorrow, he's looking at the gains and the losses. And let's look at Ecclesiastes 3, beginning in verse number 1, this very critical passage, and I want to read this together. It says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, hence fist bumping. All right, and a time to get and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? In other words, what gain is it? What advantage is it all this hard work and, and, and advancement we're making? What good is it all? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Now notice verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, in, in man, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. 
and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. What a wonderful, wonderful passage and a critical passage in the days that we're living in right now. Uh, not only in understanding this book of Ecclesiastes, but trying to understand our own time. And there's a lot that, that, that God opens up to us in this. And, and honestly, it's not complicated. It's simple. There's simple truth here. And verse 11 is such a gold mine. I absolutely love verse 11. But what do we discern here? If you notice in, in the phrase in verse 1, this phrase, everything, to everything there is a season. And that, that phrase is in verse 11. He says in verse 11, uh, um, he that hath made every, or he hath made everything. So verse 1, uh, he says to everything there is a season. Verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful. Now look at all the seasons that are laid out in those verses. They're not all good times. They're not all joyful times. They're not all times of gain. There are a lot of times of loss and times of heartache and times of trouble. And yet God takes everything, every season, and by His purpose, He makes everything beautiful. What an amazing truth that is. We're told that there's a season and a purpose for everything. We might say it this way. There's a time and a place for everything. We've all heard that phrase. We use that phrase. But what verse 11 is telling us is that, that, that God takes the time and the place of everything and in His own time and place, He will make that thing beautiful. He will make that season beautiful. Everything, the losses, the gains, they all have their seasons. They all have their purposes. And in time, God puts everything in the proper place of our life. He'll make it all beautiful. And I think that's what Paul was getting at in the book of Ephesians when he said in Ephesians 5, verses 14 through 16, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, redeeming the time. You see, the problem or the danger is, is that we step back at a time like this and we see those losses. We see the hurts. We see the things that we'll never quote, never get back, and we just say, man, this isn't fair, this isn't fun, how did this happen? But Paul says, we're to redeem the time. And the only way you can redeem a time like this is to understand that God is above all of this. God is greater than all this, and God will make everything beautiful in His time. Not ours, but His Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And that is the message of redemption. If everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly has a season and a purpose, and if God can make everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, beautiful in His time, then the message here is this, we ought to give everything to God. And I'll tell you something else, we ought to seek the eternal things, and we ought to live from the heart. And that's the message that I have for you today. I believe there are three lessons that we learn in this divine disruption that we're going through right now. And, uh, you know, before I go into those three things, there, there were three words that I kept coming back to over the last three or four days. And, 
and uh, that probably captured just about everything the heart has been saying. My heart, your heart, every believer out there. There are these three words, loss. Again, we've talked about that already this morning, but loss. I think that word is in our heart. But hope, hope abides in our heart as believers. And then this word, help. And I think all three of those things are, are probably what's circulating in our hearts and our minds right now. And you know there's an interpretation to that. Uh, a couple ways to translate those words. If you come at them from a worldly perspective, then uh, you're going to see that there are many people who are fearing the loss of everything. You know, everything I've built, everything I've worked for, it's all going to go. I talked to a preacher the other day. He told me that he had been putting money into savings to build up to one day be able to buy a house, and he said almost overnight, not much of an exaggeration, he lost $25,000 of his savings because it's in, you know, investments, stuff that I don't know much about, but apparently there's good money in it as long as, you know, uh, COVID doesn't happen. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people, they, they, I'm losing everything. They're fearing the loss. And, and if you come at it from a worldly perspective, they're hoping right now, but their hope is in, oh, can we find a cure to this? And uh, they're looking for help from the government. And they're looking for help from the doctors and all those places. But I would tell you this morning, all of this reminded me of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 and verse 19. He said, if in this life only... We have hope in Christ Jesus. We are of all men most miserable. But I'm glad that's not how we are. There is something more. You see, we have hope beyond this life because we know that our Redeemer lives. And for the child of God, these three words carry much deeper and more helpful meaning. When you put Christ into the equation, while we may suffer some measure of loss, we actually have lost nothing. Nothing. Our hope is not for some immediate and temporary fix. Because I tell you, more trouble is sure to follow. There's something else coming up. It's just down the road. But we hope for everything that is eternal. And the help that we long for and, and that which we can receive daily is not a check from Uncle Sam, but it's the immediate grace and love and peace that comes from God. This is our help. Now, I've said as much already, but I want to be clear about it this morning. I am in no way ignoring the reality of loss. The trouble is real. I'm not ignoring that. It's, it has come. It is coming into our lives. It's coming into families all around us. And there's no guarantee that the worst is over for anybody. Or there's no guarantee that I myself won't be struck with some sort of tragedy or virus or affected in some serious way. But I want this. I want to help anchor your heart this morning with three words of exhortation that will help you abide in Christ in these days and see that this season has a purpose and it is all in God's hands. Something this big is certainly not to be ignored. And I know I've said it already a couple times, 9-11 was big and the whole world heard about it. And I guess to some degree, tremors were felt around the world, but not in my lifetime has there been something that the entire world together was going through. So this is big, and something this big is not to be ignored. I believe God is speaking. And I told somebody yesterday, I know there's probably a lot of people out there, preachers, I'm not listening, I, I'm not really listening, and maybe I should, I don't know, but I'm sure there's a lot of them out there that are preaching gloom and doom and judgment's coming and... Bless God, it's the, everybody's fault and they're naming names and blaming everybody. There's probably a lot of that out there. 
I don't feel that in my heart. I'm not listening and hearing that in my heart. I am hearing more of this message that God's wanting to speak to his people. And it's not a shout. It's a summons. It's like an invitation God is making to us. And one of the reasons I feel so strongly about that is go back over the last few months of your life. Go over the last few months of our church life. Recall some of the things God has been saying to us. I look back over the things that I preached. I look back over the Wednesday night Bible studies. And man, all of that stuff was to prepare us for this. And we didn't even know it was coming at the time. And I believe God has three lessons for us. So I'm, I'm giving you three lessons from a divine disruption, okay? Here they are. Number one, give God everything. Boy, if this season teaches us anything, it's that we're to give God everything. He hath made, verse 11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. So I don't care whether we're talking about the time of birth or death. I don't care whether we're talking about the time of killing or healing, breaking down or building up, weeping or laughing. We are to give God everything because God is the one and the only one that makes everything beautiful in his time. Abraham said this, old guy now. He says, oh God, I'm so old. Where's this promise that you made me of a son? I mean, how, Lord, how is this going to work out? It kind of looks a little late if you ask me. What happened, Lord? And then God says to him, is anything too hard for the Lord? I believe that a season like this reminds us of that very same truth. It puts a lot of things in perspective, doesn't it? Many times we reason... We suffer so over losing something or losing someone. And, and uh, it, the reason is because we made that something or that someone more essential to our heart than God was. It's like the rich young man that came to Jesus wanting to inherit eternal life. But when Jesus said to him, hey, you go and sell everything you have and then give all that money to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says that that young man went away sad. Because he didn't want to let go of what he had. And the tragedy of that is, is that he would rather have the vain riches in this life than the promise of eternal life. We've got to learn to give everything to God. I ask you this morning, what are you holding back from God right now? Because until we give everything to God, we really have secured nothing at all. I'm going to say that one more time. Until we give everything to God, we have secured nothing at all whether it is in our bank accounts, our retirement funds, our health, our sanity, it does not matter, our family, our loved ones, nothing is secured until it has been entrusted completely to God. Because then whatever God does with it, we're good with. Doesn't mean that there won't be hurt, there won't be pain, there won't be questions, but we rise above it because we've entrusted it all to God. I'm convinced of this, that one of the kindest things God does for His own is to allow loss to come into our lives. Now think back over your life a little bit when God has allowed you to lose something precious to you. God has allowed something that was near and dear to your heart to go away, pass away, fade away, disappear. A relationship, a possession, doesn't matter, a job. I believe one of the kindest things God does is allow loss to come into our lives. But it's what we do with that that will really determine the true value of that experience. 
You know, again, you may lose a job, a relationship, you may lose some income, you may lose a position, you may lose a loved one. But where is your treasure? Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, uh, chapter 3, rather, verse 7 and 8, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul said, this was a pretty good trade. All that stuff that at one time was so precious to me and so important to me, and I valued it, and it, I, I really found my identity in it. I thought it was my whole life purpose. Ah, oh, but when I found Christ, all that stuff become as refuge to me. I didn't need any of that anymore because all I wanted was more of Him. So we give God our losses. We give God our troubles. We give God our pains. And we do that so that we can receive Him and we can receive what He is offering us because, again, look at the verse. He hath made everything, not some things, not a few things, but everything beautiful in His time. Beautiful. It literally means full of beauty. That's why we look at some of you and some of you look at me and, you know, we have to look beyond the surface. We say, can God do that? Can He make everything to be filled with beauty? Well, you, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, when God got finished, it said, And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. God makes everything beautiful. Everything very good. And, and, and he even takes the bad and the stuff that's not so fun and when we give it to him, he makes that beautiful too. You see, it's not all about what is. It's really about what God does with what is. And so it's about what we trust God with in our lives. We've got to trust God to make our situation beautiful today. We've got to trust God to make it beautiful. And not just the troubles either, by the way. Not just the troubles. Give God our very best efforts. You know, verse 9 and 10, I read it earlier, won't dig into that, but it talks about the labor of man and the travail. And what profit is it for a man to work hard and advance and gain in this world? Well, there's no profit in it if that's all he has. But when you read that as leading into verse 11, you see that even our hard work and our best efforts pay off when we give it to God. He makes it beautiful. But without God, nothing makes sense. Give God this disruption in your life right now. I've shared this quote a few times over the last few days on the radio broadcast and a couple other places, even in a, in a devotional, but I just love this quote. It says, I wonder how many situations that we would call disappointments hassles and setbacks might actually be the loving hand of God trying to slow us down for the sake of our souls and so that we might receive more of Him. Now, I don't know about you. I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm going to tell you the truth. This last couple of weeks has done that for me. It has slowed me down. My days are still busy, but I've found that my mornings are more relaxed. I've found that my evenings are more relaxed and I believe there's lessons in this. And don't think the preacher ain't listening. I'm listening. Because I see the healing of it. I see the goodness of it. And God is trying to teach us some things. I, I want to give you this one more passage of Scripture. Just listen from your heart. Because you know the situation. You know the trouble you're facing. You know the frustrations, the fears, the questions. But, but as was read earlier, when Jesus stood up in that synagogue 
and he began his earthly ministry, he read from Isaiah 61. But I want you to hear the rest of that passage, okay? It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God. Here it is. To comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. See what God's doing? He's taking it. Everything you give to Him, He's going to take it. He's going to trade with you, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So friends, we need to give everything to God. I'll give you the second one. Seek the eternal. Seek the eternal. A lesson of this divine disruption is God wants us to seek the eternal. The verse again. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, if you read that verse at a glance or passing through quickly or for the first time or first time in a while, you read that and you say, he set the world in their heart. That sounds kind of strange. I mean, aren't we supposed to love not the world? What's that all about? Well, this is such a wonderful truth revealed in this verse. And I'm going to be honest with you now. I'm going against a lot of the great theologians. Because I, I read after some of them. I want to see what they said about this. And I, I, I'm not in the company of the greats when I tell you this. But all I can tell you is what my heart, what the Spirit of God has spoke to my heart about. Because most of them say, we've got too much of the world in our heart, and that's why we can't see the glory and goodness of God. Well, that, 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 that's probably true for a lot of people. But this verse is not saying that to us. It says, He hath set the world in their hearts. God put the world in our hearts. So what is this? What is it that God has appointed to our hearts? It's not the world as in creation. It's not the world as in carnal things. But it's the world which means that which is hidden. This word is a word that means the eternal. The ancients, my favorite. The ancient times. God has set the ancient times in our heart. It means the everlasting. It means, you'll recognize this phrase, world without end. God has set the eternal, the everlasting, the world without end in our hearts. I don't know if you get it yet or not, but let me say it this way. Your heart was designed with a capacity for God. You've yet to see the fullness of God that He wants to bring to you. This time, this age, this season, this disruption, God is saying, I am bringing myself to you. You have the ability to comprehend more of me, to know more of me, if you'll open up your heart to me. In fact, let's say it this way, if we'll get rid of some of the, the worldly world and we'll open up our hearts to the eternal world, God says, I will do something great in your life. The irony of this is, is here's a man by the name of Solomon who had lived for years seeking out pleasure and meaning and self-worth in all of the things under the sun. His work, his food, his good times, all the stuff he was building, all the servants and stuff he had gained in his life, 
And when it was all said and done and he had exhausted all of it, he concluded this way, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. What a dark, depressing outlook on life. But you see, when you chase this world, that's what you get. That's the end of it all. It's, it's discouragement, depression, it's a big letdown. But when you chase that world, <laughs> oh, it changes everything. He set his heart, Solomon did, on everything under the sun and he found nothing but that constant growing disappointment. But when he finally hit the bottom, and you know for a wealthy man that might take a long hard fall, but when he finally hit the bottom, he came to the right conclusion because at the end of the book, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So he learned the lesson, ultimately, that it is what God fills our heart with that matters the most. You, know, you, can, you, can, you can have a lot of stuff in this world and be fine with that and still love God and serve God. But I tell you what, it's not, it doesn't matter how much you gain and what you don't gain in this temporary world. That is not what's going to satisfy your soul. Man's best is temporary. God's work is forever. And what he does, verse 12 through 14 told us this, what he does, the seasons, the times, they have a purpose. What is it? That men should fear before him. Now I'll tell you, there's some folks going to learn to fear God during these days that we're living in. Because never does God do anything that he ultimately doesn't have the purpose that he's going to get glory. If COVID-19 does nothing else for you, Christian man, Christian woman, I pray it brings you to a remembrance and a revival of this truth that nothing in this temporal world lasts. It is a fading vanity. Let it all go. Give your heart to the pursuit of God. That must be what we walk away with. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. I share this thought with you again as I shared it earlier in the week, but I imagine you've heard the statement more times than you can count over these last month or so. People say, everything has changed. Everything has changed. And it's both true and not true at the same time because, uh, yes, the world as we know it has been forever changed. Now you go to the grocery store and you're talking to the cashier through a big plate glass window you know you can't hear what they're saying they can't hear what you're saying huh 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 like you know Warren and uh, I have a feeling when the virus is over those big old plate things are going to stay there I mean there's just little things like that but I mean the world's changed in some ways forever uh, we'll never see it all the same again but God has not changed and that's comforting to our soul in fact the thing about it is, it's part of God's nature to introduce change into our life. Every year the seasons change. And, and that constant change is always doing something inside of us. And part of us, the, the carnal side of us, the, the, the side attached to this earthly world, kind of feels like, why don't God, why can't it just stay the same? But the reason God brings change into our life is because it is His gracious way of helping us loosen our grip on this temporary world to let go and, and pursue him 
2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why we can give everything to God, because Jesus has promised to restore everything. What a great promise to remember in the day we're living in. Everything that matters, everything that is good and necessary, Jesus has promised to restore everything to you and I. I, I read it just this week. He talked to the disciples one day over there in Mark. He says it in Luke. He says, you know, uh, Peter said to him, you know, Lord, we, we've given up everything to follow you. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Peter, he's learning the lessons. He says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you and Jesus says there, he says, you know, fellas, he said, there's not a one of you or anyone to come that gives up a house, land, family, home, whatever. You can give it up, but I promise you it's going to be restored a 10,000 fold. In this life, and this is the best part, and in that which is to come. <laughs> hey, there's more than this life. There is a life that is to come. So give everything to God. Seek the eternal. And then when we do that, we're ready for this third and final lesson. Live from the heart. This is what God is teaching us right now, to live from the heart. There is something about living by faith that in modern life, I think we've lost a lot of it. Everything's so convenient now. Everything's provided for us. It's not a trouble to... I mean, even... Let, let's be honest. Now, I know it's been disruptive and... You couldn't find toilet paper and stuff at the store all the time, but the truth is we can still hop in our car and ride down to the grocery store and get just about anything we need right now. And not, a, not, a, not a whole lot of suffering for the general population in America. We've been so coddled in many ways. We may have lost what it means to live by faith, but this disruptive season is bringing that back to us. We are being invited by God to learn once again how to live from the heart. You notice that verse says, right in the middle of that verse 11, he says, he hath set the world in their heart. And that's always been where God has been focused. That's always been his focus, is your heart. What if I told you that your heart holds the answer to everything? I mean, what you were made for from the very beginning, God has set something in the heart that every man and woman senses, a longing for something more, something greater, something better, something perfect. It's in there. It resides in the heart. You know, sometimes I am ashamed of the way I live my life because I find that I can get so fixated on the problems of, of life and I can start overloading my circuits trying to solve everything from my ability to reason, to plan, to calculate, to come up with a strategy and just get stressed about that. And then I can just as quickly flip over to the other extreme and go home and crash on the couch for an hour of Andy Griffith and just try to escape everything. And, and I'm not saying that any of that's bad. We need to think, we need to plan, and we need to have you know, some, some rest and kind of escape. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we, we run to those things instead of running to God. Instead of running to God from our heart first. And uh, this passage and the time we're in reminds me that there's so much more to life than my ability to think it through and understand it in myself and my ability to escape it. God calls us to live from the heart. Living from the heart 
is not where most people live. Let me explain that. What I mean by that is most people live from either reason or emotion. Now, think about that just a second. We make decisions, life decisions, largely based on how we feel or on what we think. Now, those aren't totally exclusive of the heart. It is from the heart we think and meditate and ponder. It is from the heart that emotions come, and emotions are the voice of our heart, but our emotions are not to be the leading factor, and even our ability to reason things out is not to be the leading factor. Some people have incredibly sharp minds. They're very intelligent, and that's useful for a lot of stuff, but it's not where you're supposed to live from. Some people are so sensitive, and I mean by that very feeling, very sensitive, and uh, in good ways and sometimes in not so good ways. They operate a lot from feelings, but you can't live life off of your feelings. I, I would illustrate it like this. Think about it this way. You can't make and sustain a marriage off of reason or emotion because you're not always going to agree on things in a marriage. And somebody's going to have a great idea and the other's not going to think it's such a great idea. And you're not always going to feel great feelings of love and admiration in a marriage. So you can't make and sustain a marriage from reason.
Thank you, Pastor. We appreciate that good uh, message this morning. Uh, to close our, our broadcast today, we're on uh, page number 392, if you've got a book at home. If not, we're going to sing, you should know the words to it. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. We'll do the first, second, and last verse, one, two, and four. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Trust us, the message and the service has been a blessing to your heart and life. As we close in prayer this morning, may our closing prayer be that uh, the Lord would prepare our hearts for the time that we're in, for what it is that He has us here to do, continue to draw us closer to Him. We look forward to being able to meet back with each and every one of you real soon. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for this day that You've given us today. We thank You for the opportunity that we've had to come together to hear the truth of Your Word to be encouraged through song. And even though we're not uh, physically present, even to uh, enjoy some time of fellowship, and we thank you for how good you are to us. Lord, even in times like these, we have no choice but to admit that you are far better to each and every one of us than we could ever deserve. And we ask that you would draw our hearts closer to you, allow our mind and our eyes to continue to, to dwell in a spirit of worship and an attitude of praise towards you. Lord, again, we want to thank you for each and every one that is still so faithfully taking time to give of their offering. And God, our hearts have been encouraged here at the church of the worship and the praise that your folks have offered. And we ask that you would continue to receive it. Receive the heart of worship. Receive the attitude of, of giving that each and every one has brought in. We ask that you would bless the offering. 
for what it is that you desire to do in and through our church. And Lord, as we continue to go throughout the days and the weeks ahead, may we continue to seek after your face, to draw nearer to you, so that when we are able to reassemble together, our church may be stronger, may be more solid, and ready to do what it is that you have for us to do. We thank you for all that you've done for us, for it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.